welcome to episode 105 of the App Advice Weekly Podcast. It's our super special edition recapping everything WWDC 2019. This is your host, Trevor Sheridan of AppAdvice.com, and joining me as usual is my co-host, Brett Nolan of AppAddict.net. Well, Brett, it's nice to WWDC you. Oh, I knew you were going to use that joke. <laughs> so good. It's customary now. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's great to WWDC you too. And so Apple sure had a bunch to go through. They were rapid firing it off, but I don't know if there was anything actually to take away from it. They said a whole bunch of words, but I don't think I could care less about any of them. Yeah, it would seem very rushed at points where they were just trying to get through stuff. There were maybe some tiny little highlights here and there, but overall, it was just a whole lot of nothing. And so hopefully you listened to last week's episode. We said there's a reason for the lack of leaks. It's either A, there's nothing really to leak, or B, Apple's kept everything tight, super wrapped up. Well, it turns out it was A, and <laughs> it sure lived up to my disappointment. Yeah, it's pretty much what I expected, and even less so in some points, because I, I expected from the very few leaks that we did get that we were going to hear about certain things that they never even mentioned. Yeah, really. I mean, we'll just go chronologically through the entire keynote, and you can decide for yourself if these are great things that you're looking forward, you're excited to update your devices, you're going to try out the preview and that comes in the summer so you can test it on your Mac and your iPhone, iPad, watch whatever you have. Yep. And so chronologically, we started with Tim Cook essentially recapping the March event, but offering nothing new. So those questions about what are we going to do with Apple TV Plus? What's the pricing going to be? Is there going to be a bundle option? How many different shows are going to be included? All that kind of good stuff. Well, we got one trailer for one new show called For All Mankind. It looks good, but that doesn't really help us decide if this is going to compete with the really extremely competitive space. Yeah, I expected at least something, but there was very little information. In fact, he almost had me worried when he first started talking because he said, we announced Apple Arcade for later this year. And he didn't say fall like he originally said, like, oh, no, is this delayed now? And then he said Apple Card for summer. Then he said Apple TV Plus for the fall. And like, oh, oh, I think we're delayed then. But then later on, he did mention Apple Arcade again and did mention the fall. So that's still coming in the fall. We still have no idea how much it's going to cost. What it, We know it's going to have 100 games, at least at launch. We don't know how many shows. We don't know how much that's going to be. Yeah, we know so little. Granted, we did see that for All Mankind, which looked pretty awesome, but unless it's like a free trial or a free, uh, like a free with like a bundle with something else or virtually free, because I'll probably subscribe to the Apple Arcade depending on price, then I'm not going to pay for yet another streaming service. My money is going to the Disney one, and I'm not paying for Apple's service, no matter how good these shows look, because there's just too much, too much stuff. Yep. And so Apple doesn't answer that, but they do get to show us tvOS, which guess what? They're adding in new under the sea screensavers because, you know, on my list of how you can enhance the Apple TV, I was thinking, you know, these zoom space ones or these cityscapes. I, this is just isn't enough. Yeah, they're so last year. Like, what? Uh, what's up with that? I was so bored watching these beautiful scenes going by. I'm like, whatever. And so, yeah, I know, it, like, I don't understand this. They make the biggest deal of the littlest things. So, yes, this stuff did look beautiful. The screen 
these new screensavers. Then they made a humongous deal of Apple Music and timed the synced lyrics going underneath the, the songs while they're playing. Yep. Haven't we had this like forever on anything else? Like everything I don't understand. else. <laughs> I don't understand. <laughs> like you're just you're I don't know. I, who are they talking to that doesn't understand the stuff already exists? Like, do they come up to him and like, hey, Tim, Tim, we got this awesome new feature that we just did. He's like, whoa, that looks awesome, man. That's so cool. And then, but everyone else in the world already knows it already exists everywhere else. I don't understand why they make such a big deal of this stuff. Yeah, the music, and then they rehash it later in the program. But just that whole idea, showing lyrics in real time with the music. It's like, What? Yeah, so the one awesome thing that they said in this TBOS thing was related to Apple Arcade. They said, and I thought I, I, I called this last week, I said they're going to have to do something probably with new controllers. And they said, yes, we're going to be supporting some new controllers, and they're actually going to support the Xbox One's controller and the, PS, the PlayStation's DualShock 4 controller. So somehow they're going to talk, I assume via Bluetooth, to the... Apple TV, I don't know if you'll be able to use them with your with your normal iPad and iPhone, but that's awesome because I already own a whole bunch of Xbox controllers and they're really comfortable and I love using those. I would much rather use those than a little smaller third-party controller. Give me something I'm super used to that I can just go ahead and use that I already own. And so that was a, an awesome announcement on TBOS. It really was. I mean... It's controllers you probably already own. You have either Xbox or PlayStation. You might have both. And now it just works with your Apple TV. It's super comfortable. Gaming companies have specifically iterated on these controllers year after year. This is really the best you're going to find on the market. And now it works with your Apple TV. I don't know how they're going to do it on the back end. I don't really care. As long as it works, I'm happy. Yeah, the only thing I'm worried about is I'm going to have to buy a 4K Apple TV to get it to work. But we'll see what happens. Yeah. I, I feel like they're going to have that restriction too. Yeah. And then they're also adding multi-user support, which is kind of cool to have that live TV or the Apple TV suggestions kind of change based on what you watch. So you put your kids on, they'll have Peppa Pig or whatever, versus you will have maybe Good Omens launching on Amazon Prime and just, you know, sort it all out for suggestions. Again, though, it's restricted to only select channels. You know, Apple doesn't have Netflix in their suggestions. <laughs> And well, Netflix has already had this feature forever. Right. To have forever. For, yes. <laughs> and so, yeah, I don't know. Again, again, it's something that just should have already been there that now they somehow make it look like it's revolutionary and people get all super excited. Uh, like we're seeing dark mode or something. I, I don't know. Like, it's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> and then they have live previews in the background because that still black gradient wasn't enough. Let's put TV shows in the background of your static home screen of icons. Yeah, so I always actually hate that because oftentimes those are weird. like spoilers and things. Like, I don't want to see this scene that might be in the show that I'm going to watch that now perhaps you spoiled something because you wanted to make it look cooler. No, don't show me anything. Like, just show me a still or the screen, like the title screen of the show, and I'll figure it out. Yep, and so TVOS, Apple has no idea what they're doing. They have no absolute clue how to enhance a TV operating system beyond adding new content they're focusing on content creating themselves trying to license things but to access that content they have no clue what to do and so 
This is what we get with TVOS. Right, and they still, I believe it was here, where they still mentioned, like, the this TV app coming to smart TVs and other devices. So I don't know how, they still haven't clearly said, like, how this is going to affect the TVOS. Like, is it basically this app is going to be running a version of TVOS that you have all the same access and features on these smart TVs when you just launch this app? I think it's just running the TV app. The, okay, the so it's just the Apple, Apple TV, TV app. Okay, right. But but still, that's got that does a lot of the similar thing. This is again where their naming is so poor that you have so many things named practically the exact same thing that who knows where one ends and the other one begins and what's tied to what. I guess we won't find out until this is released and you try to do something on one that isn't on the other. Yeah. So essentially, the Apple TV. 4k i think you're going to need for controller support and the app store everything else should be available on other platforms and that seems like the 4k tv for 169 bucks or whatever is a really extreme premium especially because they're not doing anything with tvos right right you basically have to buy it as a gaming console so but we'll see if you want to play on your tv yep and so then there's watchOS 6 and watchOS actually has some pretty good stuff they put a lot of thought into it and they start off with new watch faces because, of course, they're new watch faces. And I couldn't tell you that they're any really different than the watch faces that currently exist, but that's perfectly fine. They also essentially, the biggest thing they gave us was developer support for independent apps. So now you no longer need that iPhone tether to download an iPhone app and then there's an Apple Watch companion. Or also they built in the App Store right into the Apple Watch. So again, you don't need that watch OS app on your phone to access the app store and download apps on your watch. The only kind of downside is that you have a little tiny screen on your wrist. Are you really going to browse the app store <laughs> on your wrist? Yeah, I so I think this is a good move for them because they can obviously sell more watches if people aren't tied to the iPhone. So they're going to sell to Android people. Now, if they can just get the apps directly right on the 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 watch itself but i agree yeah it's gonna be tough to navigate this app store it's i don't tend to do a lot of viewing of stuff on the screen of my watch it's usually limited stuff and i i don't want to spend a lot of time searching thing or going through how much can you really see in those screenshots unless i well i guess technically they're going to probably fill the entire screen so you'll see exactly what it's going to look like but as far as like those the watch faces they were all ugly, if you ask me. Like, I thought none of them looked that good. And you could already do so much customizing on the current watch faces that you can get pretty close to what these things even offer already. That I didn't really see a reason, like, I would ever use any of those new watch faces. But uh, I guess some people, they probably thought they were beautiful and they're going to switch as soon as they come out. Yeah, who knows with the watch faces. Enhance the ones you currently have. Make sure that third-party developers are on board with complications that are updated for the two big new watch faces that came with Series 4 rather than here's a gradient that you can put certain complications onto. But I'm not working at Apple. So the funny thing going back, though, to the App Store is they showed the download page of the MLB at Bad App. And the most that the description could say was, number one live MLB app. That was the extent of it. Like, you can scroll with the crown, but to view, you know, the entire view that you get is essentially the first line of the app description. So I'm sure that will give you a lot of insight if you want to download this app or not. And of course, to search apps, you have to use either dictation, 
or that cool swipe thing where I guess I get to swipe out each letter of MLB at bat <laughs> to find it. I have no idea. Again, it seems like it's neat, but in practical use, you'll probably still go into your iPhone if you want to actually find apps, you know, focus on discoverability. Maybe if you knew exactly, I want to download the MLB app on my watch, you go and specifically search it. But otherwise, if you're trying to discover anything, I think you still got to go to your phone. Well, the problem is going to be uh, if these apps don't have a companion app, how are you going to find it? You're going to have to find it on the watch, right? Well, no, I think they're still going to be in the watch app store. Because you're accessing the watch app store on your phone. Okay, okay. I see what you mean. Yeah, so maybe there is a way. One thing I did think was awesome that they're doing is this new streaming audio API that Mm -hmm. allows the third-party apps to do the streaming audio. Because one of the things I like to do is listen to audiobooks, but I don't want to have to download the whole audiobook from Audible to my... So I use Audible for my audiobooks. I don't want to have to download the entire book to my watch to then listen off of the watch. I'd rather just be able to stream that content and directly from, like, maybe Audible or something. I'm hoping that... They allow that. I, I grant I only have the Wi-Fi version, but if I'm listening, it's usually while I'm at the gym and I want to just listen and they have good Wi-Fi in there. I'm hoping that a lot more of these audio based apps allow you to do that without tethering to the phone and then syncing it somehow with an iCloud to sync your sp- your your progress. So you never actually have to download the book if you don't want to or whatever you're listening to. And there's a lot more synergy between the apps without always having to bring your phone with you to have that kind of syncing up. Right. You know, they specifically focused on kind of Pandora acting on its own on your watch or tune in or something like that. But they did mention audiobooks. Apple's audiobooks app is coming to the watch itself. I wondered how they do actually handle downloading the data onto your watch. Yeah, my guess is you're probably streaming it, or maybe you have the choice of streaming it or downloading it locally. I don't know. I don't know how they're going to do that. I never really liked their audiobook app, uh, but I guess we'll we'll see what it is, and then maybe I'll I'll try it out again. And so then also voice memos and calculator are coming to the Apple Watch. So if you've never downloaded a third-party calculator app for your watch, Apple's going to bring their stock calculator over. And then same case for voice memos. If you've never tried to find the Watch App Store and voice memos app, now you can use the official one. Uh, I'm looking forward to the calculator. I haven't had a calculator watch since I was in in the 80s in school. So to have my calculator watch back, I'll be the coolest kid. And actually, I did think that that tip calculation thing was helpful on there in the in the bill splitting, because sometimes you don't want to pull out the phone and try to search through all that. And the uh, another thing they had on there was the ability to use Siri to kind of Shazam songs, which I'm constantly trying to pull out my phone, find Shazam, start it up, try to hopefully catch a song if I'm trying to identify it. Where this, I could just quickly say, Siri, tell me what the song is. I hope she doesn't actually hear it. Uh, But uh, (laughs) then my watch will collect it, hear it, and then tell me what the song is. So it's nice and easy to have that built right into your watch, right on your wrist. Uh, instead of having to hunt for a phone, because that's always like a time-sensitive thing. Right. I definitely agree there. And then Apple also focused on activity. So there are going to be new activity trends. They've kind of redesigned the health app. It goes kind of hand-in-hand with the watch. So the actual app itself has more highlights at the front page of various things that you can track. But then activity track trends in particular shows your last 90 days, 
versus the past 365 days. And you can see if you're even, you're actually improving, or if you're declining, it will kind of give you motivation to get back to your old ways. Yeah, I thought that was a, a nice feature. I'm kind of surprised that they hadn't already done something like this before. I kind of assumed there was something in there like that, but I guess there wasn't. And so uh, that is nice because it definitely helps you kind of keep track of, wait, what's happening here? Why am I slowing down? Or or I, you can kind of see that you're slacking in certain areas, and they said they'll highlight things uh, that might be of concern or interest. So uh, I think it's a, definitely a nice step in in the right direction. And then they had the decibel level tracking, which was really neat. You know, they had the live real demo of the audience clapping and you see the decibel level go up. It, it was, It's just a neat inclusion and it makes sense. You know, they pitched it for kind of hearing health, but just having the complication on your watch and in real time, you know, you walk by a lawnmower, you're at the airport or something, you can see it go up. You know, it doesn't have to necessarily be hearing health to just see the tracking of the decibel level. You're at a sporting event or whatever. Yeah, I, I, this is something you're always kind of curious. Well, like, how loud is a lawnmower? Or how loud is the such and such thing? And to have it just simply right there on your watch to try it out and kind of capture that information, it, it could be useful, especially if you do have hearing issues, but uh, just out of pure curiosity, too. And then they added menstrual cycle tracking, and I know that doesn't apply to either <laughs> of us, but it's still a really neat inclusion and very practical inclusion for our female audience and Apple's female audience. I'm sure just having it built in standard incorporated within the health app, it's a really valuable addition. Yeah, I have a feeling this is going to knock out uh, so many apps that are on the App Store that already do this. Like, I, I get so many press releases on on these, and it's not the type of app I'm going to review or write about because I really don't. <laughs> I, I wouldn't even know how to go about it. Uh, but the... Uh, it's interesting because it's like another one where there are probably some super popular apps that are already doing this that people are using. And now for Apple to kind of bake it right into the health app, I'm sure this is going to hurt a number of developers uh, that have really popular apps in this area. But it is nice that they now put it right into the health app, especially if for these people that maybe they don't download anything else. They just get their phone and they use the stock apps and the health app is right there. Uh, to have this available to them is probably very useful and it's easy to find and right there in, in with all the rest of the health information. Yeah, I definitely agree. All I can think of, though, when they were announcing it was that fertility notification. And it's not the sexiest thing when your partner would <laughs> point at the watch that they have that are for, it's their time of the month. Fertility it's notification. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So, you know, the watchOS announcement was actually pretty good. It wasn't groundbreaking stuff, but it's some real practical things that I could see me using and just improve the usability of the watch over time. Yes. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. And then, of course, there's iOS 13, which probably gets the most eyeballs of anything because iOS has the biggest install base out there. And this is probably the stumbling block for the performance. Well, there's a gigantic just trip and fall into a nosedive later, but in terms of stumbling <laughs> block, iOS 13, it just didn't seem like they had anything, any meat and potatoes selling point. It was like, here's a laundry list of subtle things that we've changed about the operating system. We don't even know if you'll use them or notice them in day-to-day -day use, but Here's a big list anyway, like Craig Federici comes on stage and he's going at warp speed through all these different things. He's like, here's all these changes to mail and Safari and notes and 
reminders and he's just going through the keynote slides so damn quick and i'm like take it easy i'm trying to take notes here and it just was a really weird segment that i don't know if there's any kind of takeaway at all because guess what they added dark mode and then beyond that i couldn't tell you another kind of feature (laughs) that they added to ios 13 yeah so the safari mail and notes that in particular i don't know why he went through it so fast i was trying to type things down and i couldn't even type like i don't even know what he said about mail and notes like that flew by me and and i have no clue what he even said and you can't even watch the 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 keynote yet like they still haven't reposted at the time that we're recording this so i have no idea what he said about those but and then we already knew the whole reminders app was being that was already leaked all that information about the reminders app the Maps app, uh, they did mention some changes to that to add a lot of details. And I've actually started to use Apple Maps. Uh, I was using Waze for the longest time, and that always seemed to send me all over the place. So I kind of got sick of that one. Went to Google Maps for a while, and I was using that for the longest time. Then I decided, well, I'll give Apple Maps one more try. And I've been using that for the past couple of months now, and it's worked fairly well uh the one thing that really super annoys me is uh i'll get to that in a little bit when we get to another section but for the most part that worked and for them to have it rebuilt and add all kinds of extra detail they did kind of go a little way too like happy like and excited about basically their version of google street view which everyone knows google street view (laughs) And so I don't understand how they can make such a big deal. It's Google Street View. That's what you copied. That's what you showed everyone. And you might as well just call it, you call it look around, but it's basically Google Street View. And so it's just yet another of these instances where they try to like really sell you on something, but it's basically just their version of something that's been around for years. Yeah. I stopped using Apple Maps. I went to Google Maps and essentially trying to copy their feature list. I guess maybe I'll give it another chance. But again, I think you'd have to do something different, not bring what they do into your version of things. It's like, this is what they don't do. Look what we offer. And Apple just seemed to have none of that on their list of things they were offering. But I guess one cool thing of Apple Street View, aka Look Around, is that when you tap to zoom through it, It doesn't do that staggered zoom like in Google Maps. It's one kind of continuous thing. The lady on screen was like, look how cool this is when she brought it up, that it's a continuous zoom. We'll see how well that works on older devices. Right. So, yeah, okay, it looked kind of cool. But uh, so then just rounding out some of the other things they did mention under uh, iOS 13, they did have the ability to kind of limit how often you're sharing your location. They they were all about privacy and a lot, a lot of these of features. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So they this was one where now they allow you to kind of limit it. And so they're even going to shut off the ability for third party apps to be using your Bluetooth to figure out your location and get your, your information that way rather than actually getting the information you said you were willing to share for them. One of the things I thought was so dumb when they first started talking about, but by the end I was sold, was this login thing. So whenever I go to a site that I don't really want them to actually have my information, I always just pick Facebook login. Use my Facebook login. I don't want to create a new login. I don't want to give them my email. I don't want to deal with anything. Just do it through Facebook. And now, basically, Apple has their own version of this, which is sign in with Apple. So basically, now you get a little button on these sites, and you can choose to sign in with your Apple, and it'll authenticate with Face ID, and you'll be able to just log in that way. The cool part of this is when you 
sign up, you can decide, I want to hide my email address from this place. And it will give take a temporary email address, this fake one, give it to that, that app, and then it'll forward anything that goes to that fake email address to your real email address. And for every app you decide to do this, each one will get a completely different email address. So that way you can cancel any one of them that you want and you won't get any emails from that person because they're the only ones that have this this fake email. And so I thought that was a cool reason to actually use this sign in with Apple. Otherwise, I would have just continued to do my usual Facebook for everything. Yeah, it, just to make it easier to sign in and create an account, it seems like every app you download wants you to create an account. And to have that random hidden email address that each app has a unique address and you can disable them individually if you want to stop that app, essentially, that's a really neat inclusion to just double down on Apple's commitment to privacy. Every section they talked about, they talked about watch privacy and then TV privacy and Mac privacy. It's their big kind of thing that they're going on. But at a certain point, it's not really a feature. I don't know if it's a feature list highlight thing. It's something that I guess we can't assume in this day and age, but I still don't think it's a feature list. Oh, no, no. This is more like an improvement list. Like Even their feature list, when they show that giant thing on screen, is not even a feature list. Half of it like it doesn't even relate to us, and it's just a whole bunch of junk. Like There was nothing even compelling in that list. Uh, so like, then they also, they went into security with this home kit to add yeah, your ability to have kit. cameras. The thing that people stopped, uh, supporting, <laughs> accessory makers stopped supporting. We're, we're going to continue supporting it. Well, no, they made deals now with Charter, which they've already had their whole deal. Cause they're like the only one that even can work with this Apple TV, Apple, uh, TV OS. And yeah, with the router. Mm-hmm. Yeah, with the router, with Linksys and Eero, uh, to build in HomeKit right into a router. The one thing I did find kind of interesting is for these cameras that are going to be um, supporting it, they're going to allow you to have 10 days of video clips, including iCloud, and it doesn't account against your storage. So that's kind of going right after Ring and these other ones that kind of charge you for uh, storing your video clips and be able to go back and view them they're going to give it to you for free and it won't cause you to have to update your iCloud plan which I thought that was kind of interesting I will see how much people even use these things uh but it was just an interesting one thing they spent way too much time on was the memojis and the memoji stickers (laughs) and then watching these two people like that are I guess influencers I've never heard of either of them YouTube makeup influencers yes friends and like spending and and I thought we had enough time with the little animated thing of them going over it but no we then had to spend more time actually seeing the interface and the how to uh, change your Memoji and personalize it. And so basically, the in essence, what it allows you to do is they're going to support this on all devices that support iOS 13, not just ones that have the, the camera that allow you to do the actual Animojis. Uh, and you'll be able to have these Memojis. You can customize it. You'll have the editor right on there. And then you get a sticker pack that will allow you to actually put these into your iMessages and use them in your other, uh, anywhere where you're typing text that supports the keyboard. You'll be able to put these little stickers in to have your uh, Memoji appear anywhere you want. I did really like the sticker pack. Everything else was kind of dumb, but to replace standard emojis of that yellow guy or whatever with an actual Memoji you created, that's pretty neat. 
Yes, I did like that. I thought because I've already actually the other day on my iPad, I went through every single one of those yellow ones and put the correct skin tone because I got so sick of having to select each one. Although there was one you couldn't. It was like the two shaking hands, I think. It was stuck at two yellow hands. I don't understand why. Like, I'm not the Simpsons. And so, I mean, that that's cool stuff. But then I guess they started off the thing with speed. You know, again, iOS 12 is all about speed under the hood enhancements. And iOS 13 is all about I have no clue. But they do have speed and under the hood enhancements where now there's smaller app download packages. So they... Apps can launch up to twice as fast. So if you have an iPhone XS and apps are like instantaneous, I don't even know what two times instantaneous is. Right. Well, it's up to. So this (laughs) is really going after like the 6S. Yes, it's going after the 6S. And then the updates are 60% smaller. Uh, I do like that the downloads are smaller because sometimes it takes Mm -hmm. absolutely forever. It does say that unlocking with Face ID will be 30% faster or up to 30%. 30%. Or actually, no, that one they just said is 30% faster. I'm looking forward to it's that. It's super the, fast on the 10s. The 10, it's not. Up. It's slow yeah, for it I to know. recognize. So I'm hoping they somehow figure out a way to improve that. Uh, but yeah, so I mean, the last two features that we didn't talk about with iOS 13 was, I actually thought the camera updates that they had for as far as browsing your photos were pretty cool. The video, they have video the editing. The Photos app is neat, yeah. And so, like, now they have, it's basically going after the Facebook, uh, to their model of showing you things every day to kind of remind you of things. So now you get, like, these different filters to view on day, month, and year. And what it'll do is you can just view, it kind of organizes the photos, removes out any kind of screenshots or other or duplicate photos you have in there and kind of really organize them in a nice fun, interesting way, and then you can filter. So as you like go like from month to year, uh, you can kind of just scroll down the months, but then it'll actually look at the people in the picture and like say say it's a birthday. Uh, on the year one, you can kind of scroll through and it'll show you all those same pictures year over year over year. So they gave you the example of this guy showing his daughter and you could see the, how she aged from birth to her current birthday and that was just really neat because now you're not having to filter pictures it does it all for you you kind of can just see on a certain event that happens maybe annually and see these all these pictures kind of related to one another and scroll through them which i I thought that was nice yeah apple's been working on memories for a few years now with each different ios and i think they finally really made a compelling memory idea that days tab where it's not just this whole grid of photos. You know, you're tired of that grid of photos. And then the machine learning to extract screenshots and receipts and, you know, non-real pictures and events that you took and put it on this view where they're different sized and autoplay videos and live preview of photos and stuff. It's really neat view to actually make your photo library matter and not just this array of duplicate photos and trash photos and stuff. Right, yeah, you'll never go through it the way it is now, where this at least is something compelling for you to come back and makes you want to go through those photos, which, I, I don't know, I, I I did like what they did with the memories where they kind of put together those things previously where you have like an event and they kind of grouped them all and made something like an interesting slideshow. Yeah, they're this just kind of building on that. 
yeah, this takes it a step further where it makes it even more useful because now it's not that separate little thing you're going to watch. It's while you're scrolling through your photos, you filter them in a certain way that now they are more meaningful and you can see them uh, sized that you can actually go through them in a way that you can quickly pick out things you want to see and remember and, and look at. And you can also adjust the lighting strength within the portrait mode. But I think the video editing is probably the most compelling. I mean, you can now rotate a video. If you're super lame and keep capturing your <laughs> vertical videos, you can rotate videos finally. And then they have a bunch of other video editing adjustments. Essentially, all of their photo editing adjustments, they've expanded out. There used to be 12. I think there's 30. And they're bringing all of them to video. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how much space that takes up as you start to... Because I assume they'll have the undos like they do on the on the photos so i'm curious to see if this just starts eating away at icloud space if you if you're storing them on icloud or or how this will all work yep and then going back to safari mail and notes so safari they have website specific options mail has desktop class formatting controls of your text and then there's a new gallery view in notes as well as shared folders rather than just shared individual notes those are kind of the big things Okay, so so nothing really all that compelling. <laughs> no, and then they had uh, one phrase they kept using was with a tap, with a tap, no matter what it was. In reminders, we have this new, you know, with a tap to build out lines or share ETA on route with a tap. Or we have our new quick path keyboard, you know, all these kinds of things are about kind of reducing the number of taps to do actions in your device. Yeah, I I mean I don't understand that quick tap keyboard. It didn't look like it was that. It's that swipe keyboard that third party apps have done. I, Apple's like, here, we just have a stock version. Yeah, see, I've never found it easier to use. Like I just tap, like I normally would use like a keyboard. It, I, I don't know. I just the only thing I ever do for that is if I'm doing like a caps and I'll tap on the the up arrow and drag to the letter, uh, so that way it's not on. I got to turn it back off, but. I don't know. I've never gotten into that that weird swiping keyboard. Yeah, I, and of course, Apple Music has the time synced lyrics. Yeah. <laughs> well, and then I guess the last big area they talked about with regards to iOS 13 is Siri. And so it mm-hmm. was improvements in Siri with, and they just stepped through all of their devices basically that use it. And so they started off with the AirPods and they showed this thing where it'll announce your messages as they come in and then you can respond to them. The one weird thing that they was like, I don't know if you, I assume this is an option you could turn on and off because the guy just started talking and immediately assumed that he was responding to that message that came in. He didn't say like, I want to respond to this. He just started talking. And what if you're in like the middle of conversation or something and this comes in and now you're responding? I, I don't know. There's got to be yeah, something. You get a message in and you're like, oh, crap, not them. And yeah. It's like, and it's sent like, off. Okay, sent. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm not talking to him. Yeah. <laughs> So, yeah, I, I assume there's more to that. They just were just trying to show you this little demo of it. But uh, there's got to be more to that. And then really what I found interesting was the Siri Shortcuts app. Right now it's a third-party app. You have to go to the App Store and download it. Now they're making it a stock app, so you have to specifically delete it. And I think they're hoping that more people adopt it because just that one single barrier to entry to actually go to the App Store and search Shortcuts and download it was enough for some people to never even see it. 
Right, and I mean, they even featured on one of these things where they went in huge detail. And I guess they're also trying to create, uh, they're going to have templates to help you quickly create these multi-step shortcuts because that's where it's useful. Because mm -hmm. if you're just doing a quick thing, it doesn't really matter. You probably can do it anyways. But to have these multi-step uh, shortcuts is really where it's at. Like, I'm going home, I wanted to do all these various things. Uh, give me my commute, turn on the lights at home, do all these things, all with one little action is where it becomes much more useful. The one thing I really wish they would do is, if I, I thought I saw it on one of the slides that it's coming, is give me the ability to do stuff with by my friends so I can tell my wife, hey, I'm on my way home, here's my location, you can start following me. They, right now, there is no hook in that Shortcuts app to do anything with by my friends. And we'll get to find my friends a little bit later, but uh, that's one thing where it's weird that they don't have a hook into that because it's the type of thing that would be in a workflow of a series of event-type things you'd want to all trigger at once. Yeah, I wonder if it's tied to that new ETA with one tap within the new Maps app, and they just want you to use Apple Maps instead. Yeah, yeah, I don't, I don't know, but I, I, hopefully that's coming. I mean, other areas where they went suggested into suggested automations too, though, from your habits, it can also that's true. A different yeah, way. yeah. Uh, I mean, other areas where they did talk about Siri was HomePod. They went into way too much detail. I don't know anyone that owns a HomePod, but they yeah, went no into does. way too much and detail. Maybe about Apple HomePod. employees. And and then CarPlay as well. They said supposedly it's ninety percent availability. I haven't been in a single car where someone had uh, CarPlay. But... Ninety percent availability of new models. Oh, that's new models. Okay. Yeah, and actually, I only have ever used CarPlay when I've rented a car, and it's always that single app at a time. So the new dashboard where you can have music and maps, and then a Siri smart suggestion open all at the same time. That was neat. Okay, yeah, I mean, I have no experience with the old, but the new UI did look nice. Uh, it's just, I don't own a car with it, so I haven't had right, I have I no experience. <laughs> uh, and then the one other thing that Siri, this was the one I was excited about, is Siri is now going to sound more natural, because it's going to use like a neural text-to-speech engine, where they gave a little demo of it, and it sounded much more conversational and natural than previously they used like just a collection of audio clips and kind of merged them together and now that i'm using apple maps which uses a siri voice it anytime she wants me to take a turnpike it's take the such and such turnpike i'm like it doesn't even sound natural the way you're saying it <laughs> i really hope that this fixes that because it's jarring every time i hear it and i take multiple turnpikes on my way to work every day that I have to hear this. So I'm really hoping this is one of the things that gets fixed by this new, more natural sounding Siri. The example they use definitely sounded much better. It will be interesting to see in real world use and not their specific use case where they found the best use of words to go together. But just to have that voice generated by software to find the differences in kind of speech patterns... Maybe it comes closer to the movie Her, where you fall in love with Siri. I don't know. Keep that <laughs> creepy stuff away from me. Yep. <laughs> oh, and then one other thing they did was something about call spam. I don't remember what that was. I have a note here that says call spam. You can spam. send you spam that? calls straight to voicemail. Oh, that's what it was. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. Although I don't really know that I want to send them my voicemail. I'd rather just I know. Like, I, I want to it. send them to block list so yes. I never get a call from them again. <laughs> Otherwise, now they know it's a real number. Yeah. And so I guess... For me, the biggest part of iOS 13 was actually what followed iPadOS. Finally, 
I don't know how many times <laughs> we said it on the podcast, but Apple needs to treat the iPad as a different platform, and they finally did. There's a lot to digest in iPad OS. The only kind of hesitation I have is the on-screen demo of the guy who helped create it had trouble using it. Like, I know this is first beta kind of thing, but that's not promising. If he's used it like day after day after day and he still doesn't use it that well, that's the only hesitation. But the actual feature list is pretty good. You have that tighter grid of icons, and then you can pin widgets to the home screen by sliding over. And then essentially to bring in the Mac features of app expose and spaces. So you can see, like, say you have five different notes open with different tabs. You can now show where all your notes are. You have one over with pages. You have one over with Safari. And then you can quickly go into that, essentially, app switcher view. All these things were through the app switcher view. So it's still relatively familiar. Again, another hesitation, though. I have multi-view available on my current iPad. And it's just not perfect. It's always some kind of stumbling block or tedious to activate, or you have to be really specific and deliberate with your hand gestures. And that's what this felt like. There's all these new hand gestures, but it seems like you have to be super deliberate with it. And that's not with a free flowing used to that you're on a desktop. You know, it's that whole desktop idea, but those you activate it so easily. You don't even think about it. This one, you have to purposely do actions. Yeah, so I had the exact same uh, hesitations about it too, and the fact that I have an older, so I have the original iPad Pro. So is this really going to work that well on this, or when he's even struggling on it on probably the latest iPad that they have? He's, and I don't, and he knows how to trigger these things. He's done this so many times, and me struggling, I have so many problems when I do the, the slide out from the side, getting that stupid little window to go away. Usually I end up shutting down whatever's tied to it, and then I can't even get back just that app without the thing attached to the side anymore. I did mm-hmm. like that you could swipe between multiple of those, just like you yeah. would on your phone, uh, like just helpful. by swiping near the bottom. That's helpful, uh, but I, I just... I am so hesitant of getting excited about this just because of the problems he had with that, with the selecting of text, with dragging the cursor around. He had so many problems while doing this on screen, and it just made me nervous. I did like that they now kind of switched out the the cut, cut and paste without having to do the hold and then select the little menu item. Now you can use gestures to do it. I don't know if we'll get that on on the phone eventually too. Probably not because it's a three finger gesture. But uh, it, I'm cautiously optimistic about this just because of the state of my iPad and those struggles. And so when he's doing it, what it seemed was you kind of hinted at it. The old system is you tap and hold. And then it brings up that little tiny menu and then you can copy and paste. So now they have this new cut copy paste where you swipe three fingers left, right, up. And that's going to perform all these different actions. But it seems like when he's trying to do it, it kind of stumbles over that legacy code. So I don't know if they're because I believe that code is still tied into iOS 13. It's still based on what the iPhone's doing. So I don't know if they remove it entirely, but it seems like the iPad was trying to differentiate. Did you want the old style or do you want the new style? And that seemed to be the hiccup. Yeah, I don't know if they're supporting both just because that's what it seemed like right now, like in this first beta, the guy's using hopefully by September, they figure it out. Let's just go with the new version. That old version is dead. 
Well, because he did say that you could still do the shake to undo. They weren't getting yeah, rid of that. Yeah, was discouraging. Yeah, like, <laughs> why not just get rid of it and move to the new... I, they made people get rid of the button and force them to use the, the gestures for that. Just dive in. I guess where they have so many of these you iPads out there. magnifying glass thing, too. You know, where you tap and hold to zoom and it brings up the magnifying glass? Yes, you know, This yeah. is supposedly an improvement on it, but it still wanted to bring that magnifying glass up. Yeah, so uh, I don't know. I, I have liked the tapping and holding on the space bar and dragging around to move my cursor around. Uh, mm-hmm. I've been using that a lot, but uh, I don't know. I'm I'm hoping this works better in the final release. I'm not really optimistic with my iPad that it's going to work that well at all. Uh, at some point, I'll probably get a new iPad, but uh, I don't know. Well, I guess we'll see. And then they had a lot of kind of file system management things, which I'm surprised. I didn't think Apple would ever dive into that, but they're building upon that to kind of, it's not the full-on Mac Finder, but it has hints and tips and pieces here and there. So you have like quick actions. You can rotate images or you could make a PDF out of a Word document right from, you know, essentially your files app. You have the new file servers you could access if you have shared servers set up. You can then share folders in iCloud Drive. And then probably the neatest thing, this is specific to new iPads, is since they have USB-C, you can import directly from a camera or a USB drive or an SD drive. You no longer need all those third-party $30 adapters Apple makes. You are going to need an adapter from USB-C to USB-2 probably for a lot of thumb drives and camera peripherals that you have, but that's you know what you need on your MacBook Pro. So that's pretty neat that they're kind of making the iPad have that file access like deep down you can even zip files together right, right this is almost seems like what they should have done when they kind of really that two years ago i think it was where they were trying to push the ipad as a pc replacement that this is mm-hmm. the and like but without this it never could have been and now they're finally adding these native things that really should have been there years ago for them to the way they were kind of positioning, I guess. And you notice like all of the um, demos they did on screen, they were using the keyboard, the separate keyboard. So not mm-hmm. everyone's even going to have the too. separate keyboard. So uh, they're, it's kind of deceptive the way they were doing a lot of the, the demos because they were involving certain things. They were really kind of a specific scenario where that's not necessarily how people are going to use it. But I guess there are a certain subset are going to, but you might get this and then you're going to go and now this keyboard's kind of in the way. They did show that you could kind of shrink down the little keyboard to make this almost like a tiny little version of the keyboard that you can hunt and peck with a finger and then use your pencil on the side. Uh, so that way you have access to both inputs without uh, the keyboard getting in the way or covering up too much real estate, which I thought that was great because Obviously, that keyboard always takes up on the iPad way too much room uh, if you want to have it as like a PC replacement. And so that was a nice little touch. But I think you have to look at these these demos with certain like picking out what they're doing, because I think they're giving you best case scenarios. And then the Safari probably got a big change that I don't know if they're going to make it accessible to third parties. So I don't know if Google's going to be able to update their Google Chrome browser in the same way, but having a download manager, access to fonts, and then desktop class browsing, which allows you to access the full version of WordPress and Google Docs and Squarespace, for instance, for all that kind of stuff, is now available in Safari. 
Yeah, that I mean, the Google Docs and the, the WordPress stuff is nice because there's nothing more annoying than not having my, my MacBook and I want to update something on my site and I can't even, like, you, you try to fiddle with this site and it doesn't work right. You're worried you're going to mess up an existing post and it's not going to be recoverable. And to have it just work like it would work on, on any kind of actual PC or Mac is great. And it's about time they finally did this. There's also supposedly like 30 new keyboard shortcuts, but they didn't even tell you what those were. And then the Apple Pencil. I really want an Apple Pencil just when they're showing that it has a 20 millisecond latency and they're going to drop it down to 9 milliseconds. I mean... That sounds super, or is, is it a different? I don't know. No, that's right. I don't know what yeah, the it's units going, are. It's going from <laughs> 20 to, to 9 milliseconds, yeah. Okay. Yeah, and then just to be able to mark up things by dragging the pencil from the corner, and you can mark up anything. They didn't even need third-party APIs to be able to mark up anything from any app. Yeah, yeah. I mean, right now I do notice with the, the pencil I do have, there is a little bit of a lag. It almost feels like it's dragging behind, like... What gets drawn is dragging a little bit behind what you're doing to knock that down to nine milliseconds. I can imagine that's almost an unnoticeable to to any to anyone actually using it. So yeah, but unfortunately, you need the latest and greatest iPads for that and and Apple Pencil second generation and Apple and Pencil. Yes, stuff. exactly. Yes. <laughs> so I mean, it's eventually I will get there, but I'm no time soon. I don't think. But I guess we'll see what next year what this year brings for the new iPads, but. Yeah, and so iPad OS is definitely the standout of iOS 13. Like if they just had iOS 13 and they never called it iPad OS and they said all these features are coming to the iPad, it seems like a more feature rich iOS 13, but separating it out, I don't see any really big thing in iOS 13 that's changing my phone, but iPad, I definitely see the change. It really entices me to upgrade my hardware to kind of take advantage of all this stuff that I know is going to be not as good on an older iPad. And so I'm, like you said, cautiously optimistic that this all works out, but I still have some hesitations just that I feel like any of the kind of heavy duty lifting they're showing with an iPad, I still would rather just go over to my MacBook. And that will always be the hesitation for me and being excited for iPad specific features. Yeah, well, the other thing that I'm concerned about is what does this mean for universal apps? Because now these are considered different OSs. Uh, are they still going to be able to support like a universal app? Is the developer, if they want to support these new iPad specific features, is it easy for them to develop in a way that they take advantage of that for the iPad, but then still have it easily usable without a ton of extra work on an iPhone? Uh, how is this all going to work? And Or are they, we going back to the, now we're going to have separate purchases if you want to use it on both your iPad and your iPhone, and we'll get into when we get into the next section and the Mac. Yeah, but... th that's what ties it in, I think, is once we get to the Mac portion of the program answers. Though. Okay. Yeah, so that's that was just one area of concern I have is what happens as far as universal apps goes and how difficult is it to support I these new like iPhone OS and features. iPad are going to be separate for really big, heavy-duty iPad apps because in the Mac portion, they're talking there's over 1 million iPad apps and now they can be compatible with the Mac. They didn't say there's over 1 million iOS apps because there's way more than that when you can, you know, they're talking about iPad specific apps that now will be able to work on the Mac. So I think they're creating a distinction again. Okay. Okay. Yep. Which is disappointing. Yeah. But I understand it, it if you treat iPad as a separate platform. Right. And unfortunately, it means that people are going to be paying more 
and buying more separate apps if they want to get them all on all their devices. Or maybe we won't even see some of these things go on the phone. They'll only develop them for the iPad because it's a much richer experience and that's how they can do it. And they don't want to settle for But then it's a smaller market if I'm a developer who wants to make money. It's a, it's a tough I know. It, yeah. I mean, well, yeah. It, where do you where do you say, well, it's good enough of an experience on the phone versus the iPad? I, yeah. I don't know. I think it's just going to create more of a division uh then kind of bring things back together which i think is what they hoped for and so we got this kind of bright hopeful ipad os and then apple crashed their truck into a wall it exploded into <laughs> flames and then a comet hit that thing and we got the brand new mac pro which no offense to people who are interested in the mac pro no offense to apple for designing a mac pro i believe that it should exist this is an absolutely beastly device it just is for such a super small portion of the audience that you don't need to spend 30 minutes talking about the Mac Pro in a two-hour presentation. It's just not balanced properly. You can say, five minutes, here's our awesome new Mac Pro. Here's a laundry list of features on one slide. It's a new display. Here's another laundry list of features. Price, boom, let's move on. If you want the specific details, apple.com. We have our press release. You can see all the different specs. But they went bullet point by bullet point. Here's all these super awesome specs of stupid things that don't mean anything to me. It's computing levels that <laughs> I will never come close to accessing or reaching or doing anything to with. Yeah, it made no sense because they put out press releases for the new MacBook Pros. And, and that's their most the, popular model. That's the most popular. It's going to affect the most number of people. You, this is for a very specific audience that need a super powerful machine. This is not going to be your everyday person. Granted, yes, you're at the Worldwide Developers Conference. These people is a, a certain percentage of these people are going to be using it. But no, the vast majority of people that are going to use this much power are people that are in video and music production or animation. They're not necessarily yeah. just if developing you work apps. At Pixar or you're working on Game of Thrones or something or you're creating studio albums. I don't even think developers need this powerful of a computer. No, and I mean, they just went into such excruciating detail. Like, I don't need to know this stuff. And if they're just going on and on and on, and then eventually you think they're finally going to tell you what a fully loaded one costs, when all they do is give you, like, the price of the base one tell you it's going to be available this fall. I'm like, eh, even the base one is six grand. I, I'm not going to spend <laughs> six grand on a on a machine that I'll never even come close to needing that much computer power for what I'm doing. Yeah, the guy did a demo and he's like, here's a thousand different audio tracks in Logic Pro. It's like, yeah, that's super practical in multiple <laughs> use cases of everyone who's watching this. I mean, again, it's awesome to for Apple to make it and for those who need it, but the few that need it don't need that much time. If you know, if you're deciding, do I want to get this Mac Pro or not? You're not going to listen to the guy on stage at the keynote. You're going to dive in detail on Apple.com and see every single breakdown and customizable options. Right, right, yeah, and I mean, and it didn't stop there either. They go, for, yeah, they go into the display for who knows how long. Yeah, then they're in the display forever and ever. And you're like, I know they're telling me the reference one they used is forty something thousand dollars. Well. 
yeah, okay, I know you're going to come in well <laughs> below that, but you're still going to be insanely priced for a 31-inch display or whatever it was. Yeah, so we go through all this. we got to listen to this 6K retina over and over and over. We hit everything that everyone wants. Like, they never thought it was going to be possible to get this high dynamic range. Wait a minute, we went extreme dynamic range. We're the Pro Display XDR, and you can connect six of these displays together to a Mac Pro. For $5,000 a piece or $6,000 a piece if you want the matte version because we etched it to make it so perfect. And then if you want to have the stand that we spent another 10 minutes talking about, that's going to cost you an extra grand. So you're in for $6,000 for one of these, but you could cook up six if you really wanted for $36,000 of display. That's cheaper than one of those other displays we talked about. <laughs> uh, I don't know. It seemed like such a waste of time. I, it just was mind boggling that they spent that much time. And as you're bleeding out minutes off the clock, you're like, well, it must mean because they have nothing to talk about Mac OS. So they're just going to go into detail on a device for like 10 people in attendance or whatever. And it, it was just mind boggling. Like you said, you have $6,000 for the entry level Mac Pro. I have no idea the max out of this customizable options of that one the guy was talking about that you know had With like the 20 million cores. slots and yeah. all that stuff to add on like oh you can edit now three streams of 8k raw video oh yeah that's what i do all the time <laughs> <laughs> oh god and then the stand for a thousand dollars got a noticeable boo from the audience because that was like the ultimate apple tax definition but again even that display they created who's getting that display or <laughs> six of the displays or whatever Come video on. production like that's who the people this was aimed for why are you spending so much time on it yeah and, and like i didn't even think the stand looked that nice it looked like something out from the 90s like it didn't even for the amount of money that you had to spend on that thing i, I like the whole being able to articulate it and it stayed in place but not for a grant not for a stupid stand and then if you want just the visa adapter i assume you don't need that for it to connect it to the stand i would assume that if you're spending a thousand dollars you can connect the monitor to to the stand, but who knows? But for the Visa adapter, I assume this is if you want to wall mount it, it was like 200 bucks just for that. Like, that should be built into the back of the stupid monitor. And then the Mac Pro itself, of course, has that awesome cheese grater front, which <laughs> they talk up these awesome designs. And the second they showed on screen, I'm like, what, what are they doing with big cheese grater? <laughs> who at Apple didn't say, why are you guys making a big cheese grater design? How much dust is going into that thing, too, with all of the... the I don't know. It's just going to be a dust collector. Granted, Maybe they those said, fans that just blast out, like, <laughs> half of your wall gets all the dust out of it, too. I don't even know. It, it was so ridiculously expensive and unnecessary for them to spend so much time on. And now we've spent a lot of time on it. Yep, it was super niche. It was like when they had that 10 grand Apple Watch or something. It's just so stupid. Yeah. Oh, God. But the reason it was so long is because they had nothing in Mac OS. They have Mac OS Catalina, which that was the best part for me. They went with a name that I like, Catalina Islands, right off the coast of Southern California. It's a fun little day trip, and it's a neat <laughs> little name. I don't understand how that relates to any of the feature sets or any reason they picked it, other than it's a small, it's unnecessary... It's the underwater screensavers. <laughs> yes, <laughs> that, that's exactly it. And so... I don't even know what's in macOS, to be completely honest. But Craig Federici did start off the segment 
perfectly with some great humor where he's like, customers love iTunes and we're going to expand it because we just don't have enough stuff. We're going to add in calendar. We're going to add in mail. There's going to be Safari. There's going to be a dock inside of iTunes separate than the other dock. <laughs> I mean, that was hilarious. It was a great segment and it all led up to being the end of iTunes. And it kind of, as we suggested last week, they're splitting it up into three apps. It's not really the end of iTunes. They're just rebranding it from iTunes to now have three essentially iOS apps available on the Mac with Apple Music app, and then you have the Apple Podcast app, and then you have the Apple TV app. So essentially those three iOS apps are on the Mac and they have a sidebar attached to them. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty much that's all it is. Like, I know. I well, I did like the fact that they did say, well, he said, like, well, what happens to syncing your music? What happens when you plug your phone into into your yeah, to your neat. Mac and nothing happens because that's so freaking annoying when that thing pops up every single time you plug your phone into your Mac and so now you do it all through the Finder and that's how you do your syncing that's how you can sync music over uh probably that's how you would do ringtones but now it's all built into Finder for that stuff and then as far as music goes you know the app that you would go to you know the app for podcasts and you know the app for uh, TV. The podcast app still seems kind of a little weird. Like that one almost seems like it should just be merged with music. It should be podcasts and music. But I, I guess if they want to have it as a separate app, go ahead. Yeah, the, yeah, I, I definitely agree there. And it seemed like everything that was available on the Mac is essentially just an iOS it over we have screen time coming to the mac because hey we designed screen time for the phone let's bring it to the mac how about you know when we brought all those things last year like news and stuff well this year those changes to safari that we talked about and notes and photos those are all coming to the mac too how about find my iphone and find my friends let's smash them together and just call them find my and throw them on the Mac. That seems like the entire marketing and design team and engineering team had their whole Mac meetings and they're like, what do we do for the Mac? I don't know. Let's bring some more iPhone stuff over. <laughs> yeah, I mean, pretty much that's all they did. I mean, then they even like stole uh, other iOS apps that other third parties had for doing your your iPad as a second screen on your Mac. Duet display. Yeah. Great app, great third-party app. Well, now it's built right into macOS. And then you'll have the Apple Pencil can now be used on your tablet, and now your tablet can basically be like a Wacom tablet for mm -hmm. on your Mac. And uh, so, I mean, as far as the Find My, that, when they smash them together, they also did add a, a little bit uh, to that, so now well, it can... Well, you can find your Mac now when it's offline. That was pretty advanced right. and interesting tech. Right, so that's nice, and it basically uses like a mesh kind of network to kind of get the information from other devices so they know where your device was seen last, and it's all encrypted and anonymous so that uh, you're not going to have privacy concerns or anything. Uh, but I thought that was kind of nice because there are times where you're, you, like, I, I, well, I'm again, like, I hope, I mentioned earlier, I hope that this, now they'll allow you to use Siri to do trigger things like this for finding iPhone, finding your friends and, and that stuff without having to do, uh, go into the app and launch everything, uh, do it through Siri to, to quickly, uh, use those shortcuts. And one kind of fun note is that Apple ends the portion talking about the best display ever that you can connect to your Mac with. Now you can connect your iPad to the Mac as a second screen. So best display ever, iPad <laughs> as second display. You know, it's about the same. 
Yeah, well, I'd rather buy uh, six uh, an iPad for a thousand bucks than buy the six thousand uh, dollar for the price of a stand. You can get a whole screen. No. Yeah. <laughs> and then also one other really interesting point. It, it was amazing design as their new accessibility feature to essentially make the entire operating system controlled by your voice. Like they had no features at all. So it was the third bullet point they went over. That was proof in itself. But taking it by itself, it's an amazing inclusion for accessibility options for a number of people who probably couldn't use the Mac previously. That I, I that and also it's on iOS as well. And so that I mean, I had no problem with them spending a ton of time on that, even though obviously that affects a smaller portion of people as well, because that's actually something useful and it could change someone's life. Just be able to do this all via the voice rather than spending so much time on something that only some small percentage of people can even afford where this is life changing. Spend as much time as you want on this. I mean, it was incredibly cool to mm -hmm. see how all that worked and how like it makes it so that you can do anything on on the device just with your voice. And I'm sure it's tedious. I'm sure it takes some time to learn to go through it. But uh, once to just open those doors to people that have no other option, that's just amazing. Yep, absolutely agreed. And then there's, I guess we kind of hinted at it earlier, Project Catalyst. So this is the official name for what Apple introduced last year with Mojave when they brought news and voice memos and homes to the Mac is you can make iOS apps available on the Mac. And this is specifically opening it up to third party developers this year. So anyone who's made an iPad app in the past can now make it universal. They had specific examples already saying how easy it was, including Twitter and Asphalt 9 and stuff like that. And, you know, if you want to bring iOS apps, always when I think super powerful, productive things coming to the Mac. I think, oh, let's make the watered-down iOS versions available on the Mac. <laughs> yeah, I know. It, it seems like it would be more useful to take, like, a Mac app and bring it to the iPad. Yes. Uh, but, yeah, no, we're going to go the other way. And I guess they probably have more people quickly developing things for the iPad and the iPhone that are more likely to try to bring them over to the Mac. I think it's going to make the Mac store crowded. I think you're going to get not as bigger experiences well maybe with the new ipad os you'll have more but again this now makes you question what is this going to do to pricing of apps are now these are in the whole universal category so generally mac apps tend to cost more they cost more to develop they're they're bigger um now if you're taking like an ipad app are people going to expect that Oh, well, I know that they probably just brought over the same code. I don't want to buy that again. Is this now going to be a universal app? Or is it? should it be cheaper now because the iPad app used to be cheaper? Or is this going to now drive up the prices of iPad apps because now they want them the similarly priced on both the Mac and the iPad? Are you going to have to buy it on both devices? Are they going to be universal now on iPad and Mac? Like... So many questions that they didn't even come close to answering. And I guess we'll figure maybe they're talking about this stuff in the, the actual workshops at WWDC, but uh, it it leaves a lot of things still up in the air as far as how this is all going to work. Yeah, there's some iPad apps or the same names of apps that are different where it's $29.99 on the Mac and then it's $4.99 on the iPad. And Pixelmator comes to mind right off the top of my head. But you can't make those into universal apps. They're relatively different experiences. But are people now going to be expecting it or wanting it? Or that price mentality of the App Store comes over to the Mac. And 
it's a really convoluted mess. Right, and how are you going to know? Like, the app that you're buying, is it just the iPad brought over, or is this, like, an even bigger experience that's worth spending more money? Like, they might still charge more money, but if it's the exact same app, are you really getting anything different other than the fact that you can now use it on your Mac? versus using on an iPad. I don't know. It, it, it left me with more questions than answers. Yep. And really, that's Mac OS. I couldn't tell you what one feature is that, say, your computer doesn't support Mac OS Catalina and it's stuck in Mojave. I couldn't tell you one thing you're missing out on, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, we already got dark mode, so what, what else do we need? Like, come on. Seriously. <laughs> <laughs> and then Apple rounded out the keynote with two developer specific offerings and those were both really neat i'm not a developer but i still respected what could be created and the demos they gave so the first one's ar kit 3 which has this new people occlusion feature as well as motion capture tied directly into the ar experience and those both look promising it depends how third party developers use it so they brought mojong the creators of minecraft on stage to show off minecraft world and it might have been the worst demo I've ever seen in my entire <laughs> life. Like, it's neat to see the little Minecraft stuff up on stage or whatever, but the two people, I don't know if they didn't rehearse, they didn't work well at all together. There was minutes, or seeming minutes, of just dead air where neither person was talking, or then they'd throw in a thing like, cool. I mean, no, that is not <laughs> a presentation, okay? It's not just you say cool at various intervals, and then you show the stuff in the background, and they show the person waving. It just... That was super dumb. And it's the reason that AR kit or the augmented reality just isn't picked up that wide because it's cool, but I don't see any practical use cases or make an experience better with it. Yeah. So unfortunately, I didn't get to see this section of the this or the, the next one you're going to talk about. I, uh, and they haven't put the recap up, but I did see pictures of it. And I, so it, they were basically doing Minecraft in real life, picking up the blocks and, and putting or building the blocks and spots. Yep. So get the uh, little like, and stuff. So yeah, to me, again, stuff. this seems like a kid might want to do it, but no adult is really going to want to do this for a long period of time. It's too much work. Like we well, talked the about this about last Minecraft week. is that it's all tedious work. And you doing it on the computer self-contained is one thing. AR already makes everything tedious. So now you're making a tedious game even more tedious? Oh, this doesn't seem like a match <laughs> It seems like a type of thing you'd send your kids to do to burn off steam. Like, maybe it's not nice out. Like, get a little exercise and do this. But I can't imagine anyone but kids are going to be interested in that particular demo like i don't know maybe there's other features that other developers are going to come up with uh but or like a, i could see maybe like a green screen app where now you can mm -hmm. just use this thing totally as a green screen uh for anything you want to broadcast like or that anything. special effects app from right Bad exactly Robot. yeah yeah, action movie FX. That would be really cool with this. And I have a feeling we're going to see a bunch of things like that. But uh, other than that, I, I mean, I can't think of anything that comes to mind, but I'm sure a developer is going to come up with something neat. But again, it's... We can one of hope the... because the adoption has been so sparse after that AR Kit 1. You know, Apple had new features in AR Kit 2 and no one really picked up on it. But I think the limitation of any of these things is they're limited time experiences. They're novel when you first use them but then they burn out real quickly like it's not the type of thing that i can see someone using over and over and over again it's more of a it's cool it's fun for a short period of time but then you move on like i i can't think of a single thing where 
it would be so compelling that I'd want to keep coming back over and over and over again for years to come. It just seemed like any of these projects will have a short life cycle. Yep, let's say our kit three, and then there's a new Swift UI. So if you're an aspiring developer or maybe not the most technically advanced, there's Swift and Apple's been working on it in the back end to make it as accessible as possible to create iOS apps. And so they've made more actionable items that you can kind of drag and drop into place and create apps without really knowing how to code or just knowing like the bare bones of it. So it, it's really neat what they're building for. And it has built in localization and dark mode automatically as you're designing your apps. And then you have Xcode previews to have it play right on your iPhone as you're kind of designing it. And you can even make watch apps, Mac apps, and TV apps all from Swift, all in the same base code, all from what you're designing. The only kind of hesitation for me is that there was three neat additions that he added to the app, the demo that he was designing. And each one he's like, oh, I built this component earlier in the day or earlier you know, before I actually came on stage. So the neatest technical things, you still need to code and know how to do to add them to your app. It's not like there's this catalog of things you can just drag and drop into place. So that's kind of my hesitation in saying, oh, this Swift thing is going to be super awesome for aspiring developers. But the question is, are they going to build up a catalog of things that developers can question. can yeah. Go to. I, I mean, the question is, is it going to be free if they did do this, or are these going to be a, like a whole other avenue for them, like a store to purchase items to use in your projects? And or maybe they let developers sell components that they built and they kind of have this whole other ecosystem for it. I, it seems and like then it, how many apps look exactly the same, kind of like those web right, builder sites where these drag and drop catalogs or what was that game identical? game salad like that yeah. we used to be around i didn't think they're still around anymore but uh, like yeah you used to see these really kind of very samey type things because people used to sell these projects and that's the one i do like that it opens that barrier to entry and younger kids can get involved earlier and learn this kind of stuff but i think it also runs the risk of you getting a lot of shovelware kind of pushed onto the app store with people like hey this is my first app i want to get out there so everyone can see it and i and unfortunately i think it's gonna you're gonna get a lot of really kind of naive projects just kind of pushed out there because people are so excited about it uh rather than really taking the time to develop something good and worthwhile you're just gonna get that kind of instant gratification of getting things out there yeah i definitely agree and then Apple had a few more that they're going to focus specifically on, you know, different workshops. Again, reminder, everything in this keynote has kind of a developer in mind. But on the flip side, they're broadcasting on their website. They want people who can attend to be able to watch it and be excited for what they can update their iPhones and iPads and Macs and TVs and watches too. And with that, it was a letdown. There's really no other way to put it. It's tough to tell you what's coming on iOS 13 beyond dark mode. The watch OS <laughs> things are neat enhancements, but if you don't update, I don't think you're really missing out. There's nothing coming to TV or Mac. That Mac Pro is for 0.0001% of the population or something. And overall, for me, I think it was the worst keynote since I've been covering keynotes when the App Store started in 2008. I can't talk to ones prior to that, but over this kind of decade, I can't imagine anything worse than giving us nothing and talking so long about nothing. 
Yeah, the, this show was a, a big disappointment for me, too. There was very little that I was interested in that came out of it. Uh, it it's worth noting that in order to use iOS 13, you're going to need to have an iPhone 6S or newer. Uh, nothing before that will work with it. So anything that doesn't have the A9 chip uh, or newer is not going to work with it. So it's a limited audience. Like even uh, like we said earlier, like a lot of those numbers of speed improvement, I really don't think you're going to see any much of anything. If you have newer devices, it's really only going to affect those older devices. And at this point, if you have a 6S, are you probably going to be at the time that maybe you're going to upgrade to the next iPhone? I don't know. My my daughter has a hand-me-down 6S that she just got this past year. So I'm excited that we'll be able to put it on that and I'll be able to see like how much of a speed improvement it is. But uh, yeah, overall, there really wasn't a lot. I was disappointed there was no kind of talk about any kind of screen time improvements. Yes, it's coming to the Mac, but my daughter doesn't use my Mac. Uh, so I don't really care about that. I wanted more granularity there, and I didn't even see that on that giant list of features when they just show that big screenshot of all the other stuff that they're working on. No mention of screen time whatsoever. So I the even the things I thought I would be get excited for weren't even there. So overall, this was virtually nothing of interest. We didn't even get information about any of their services coming up. Uh, that's still a big question mark that we'll have to wait till the fall and the phones. Uh, but yeah, this was one of probably the worst uh, keynotes as far as giving anything of interest and spending way too much time on stuff that really doesn't affect most people. Yeah, I definitely agree. I mean, I think for me, the main takeaways were the game controller support, the promise of iPad OS, as long as you have the latest and greatest iPad. And I don't even know. The, I, I think that <laughs> My login... list was shorter than I thought. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I agree with both of those that you mentioned. I think the login uh, was nice if that actually works the way it is so that I don't have to give out email and hopefully cut down on the spam. I couldn't possibly care less about dark mode. Maybe at night, I'll, I wish maybe if I could turn it on only at night, uh, I really don't see myself using it. I use it on my Mac, but I really don't know that I want it on my phone. I didn't really like the whole neon color kind of setup of it. Uh, I don't, yeah, there's not much else that I really even cared about in this whole thing. The iPad OS has me interested, but I'm, like I said, I'm cautiously optimistic about that. Uh, the Mac OS, there was really nothing there. Uh, yeah, it's, oh, the maps, I guess, the increased Siri, the, as I mentioned, the, the better sounding Siri I'm looking forward to, and the increased, uh, d data in maps, uh, I'm looking forward to, but, Otherwise, yeah, even though it's on big features, they're just improving slightly what already exists. It's nothing big and new and shiny. We just, I, I don't know. It just was kind of a lackluster year for, for new features. Yeah, not only did it lack big, exciting, new, innovative features, anything like that, it just, there's such small practical uses. It's like, this helps this small group of people. This helps this small group of people over here. There's nothing like, Oh, everyone will like this. Or, you know, there's like hundreds of millions of iPhone users. I'm sure a hundred million will definitely every day use this new feature. There was nothing like that at all. It's like, here's a few tens of thousands of people that will help from this. Here's a few thousand people that had complained about that. And it's amazing that we're going to wait all the way until 2020 to hope that there's something building upon this. But 
once it was over, the one thing I kept coming back to was Apple's a hardware company. They're always been a hardware company. They kind of build software to help sell that hardware. But year after year, these are relatively mature operating systems, especially Mac and iOS at this point. They aren't innovating at all. They're taking no risks whatsoever with software. They're not trying anything new. Say they have this great new feature and it blows up in their face. At least they're trying something. That's better than what they offered us today. Right. At this point, they're just trying to check off boxes that maybe Android had that they didn't have, that they're just trying to get in parity with other things and close some gaps of where third-party apps were doing the work for them, they're trying to replace those. But yeah, it's at this point, they really don't have any... They're not try, taking chances. They're Like you said, they're just kind of solidifying what's there and really just kind of doing the status quo and not trying to take chances or taking risks. It's just, let's give them a little bit more of what they already had, and that's it. Yeah, I think the best way to define the entire day was during the watch portion of the program. And they're like, look at these new haptic chimes at the top of the hour, and it plays a bird sound. And I'm like, <laughs> you've replicated that bird clock that was a scene on TV. It's like in your grandma's house on my watch. That that was your big new feature. No, but it wasn't even that good because it's the same Robin every time. It's you not. You can't even have 12 different, different birds. birds? I don't think oh, so. God. He said it was a Robin. So I assume it's the same every time. But I, oh, I don't God. know. I don't even have sound turned on on my watch. I have it muted. I so don't I'll either. Get, I'll get the taptic little, like, silent shake every hour, I guess. Yeah. Oh, my God. So that's WWDC 2019 wrap-up of the Apple Vice Weekly Podcast. We hope you enjoyed. And, Brett, thanks for joining. Yeah, it was, uh, it was fun. I, I enjoyed this. <laughs> more than the program and so we're <laughs> listening we hope you enjoy and we'll talk to you next time talk to you later game of thrones season eight of keynotes